0: Thank you, Pastor Johnny. Good morning, everyone. How are you this morning? Good. Last week, BJ's sister-in-law told him to keep it short. Yesterday, my husband reminded me that there's playoff football on today. So, I'm gonna do my best, to keep it short. Plus, I know that there's snow, which you all know that I normally love snow. I mean, and sometimes you wanna throw rocks at me, I know that. but I don't love driving in the snow. I don't love driving back through Pittsburgh in the snow. And so all morning I've been praying back the snow. So don't tell me if there's a coating out there. I don't want to know. Um, but I am going to be mindful of our time this morning. But I believe that God has something he wants to do in our hearts. Um, he's already started it this morning. Has anybody felt some tension this morning? Have you felt the tension? Was it tension to get out of your house this morning? Is there just a tension? I felt it during worship. You know, there's, there is a battle that is going on for our souls. There is a contending that is constantly happening for our souls. There's a contending that's constantly happening to draw us away from our first love. And so this morning, we're going to talk about some of the ways that some of the things that we have to contend with, some of the things that the enemy brings in that draw us away from our first love, that stick that little wedge in there, that make it so we're not connected like we once were. And you know, it's not always really blatant things. It's not always like major sins. It's not always um, a major falling away that takes us away from our first love, but it's little things. It's little things that we think are insignificant that come in and it's those those foxes that come in and eat at the vine. So before we get started, let's pray. Father God, we just come to you this morning. Lord, we open our hearts to you, God. Lord, I pray that every barrier that is keeping us from a place of first love with you would just be melted down this morning. God, we know that you are contending for our hearts. And so God, in turn, we contend this morning against the enemy. We fight with you, Father God, to return to that place of first love. In Jesus' name, Father, I thank you for just speaking through me this morning. I just thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read our scripture. I'm gonna read our scripture. If you wanna turn in your Bibles, it's Revelation 2, verses three through five. And this is what we've been focusing on these last four weeks. Is this the fourth week? And this is being, this is the letter Um, this is the vision that John receives for the church of Ephesus. And he writes this and sends it to them. And it says, you have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and you have not grown weary yet. I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So we see here that they're not told you've fallen into sin and idolatry. You've fallen into um, gross behaviors. You're still enduring for my sake, but you've lost your love for me. You've lost the love that you had before. And um, just my own personal salvation story, um, I I did not have a radical transformation moment. (laughs) I was about six or seven years old, and we were at a, a function at our church. It was in the fellowship hall. I remember all of the chairs being in this giant circle. And I think it was New Year's Eve. This is what sticks in my brain, at least. And I remember sitting there, I don't know what was said. I don't know what was happening. But I remember looking at my mom and saying, I want to ask Jesus in my heart. And that was it. That that was the end of what I remember. Now, I grew up in a Baptist church. And so you had to make that public profession of faith. And so at the end of service one day, I remember I was prepped. The pastor's going to ask you know, is there anyone here that wants to, you know, make a profession of faith, um, ask Jesus into their heart, be baptized? And so I got up, my dad went with me, and, um, and I, I stood up there and said, yes, that's me. I remember that day, too, um, because I remember my dad took the microphone and he said something, which if you know my dad in that story, that's a whole different story. If you're ever interested, I'll tell you. <laughs> But it's something that has stuck in my mind that he said something that morning. So anyway. Um, So I got baptized and I grew up. I grew up saved. There was never a time in my life where I had like a major, you know, falling away from the Lord. And I think there's quite a few of you here that can probably identify with that. Um, Even when it came to getting filled with the Holy Spirit, I remember I was sitting in our TV room. And my mom was recording Charles Stanley on TV, Baptist minister, not talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But I'm sitting there, and I'm hearing this, and I remember going, huh, I wonder what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I walked back to my mom's bedroom, and I said, hey, Mom, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And she told me, and she prayed with me right then, and I started praying in tongues. Listening to Charles Stanley, a Baptist minister, on our TV that I was only partially paying attention to. And I think, to me, that says that from the time I was born, I mean, for all of us, from the time we were born, God has been contending for our souls. But there was something in me that just responded to that, even at a young age. Now, I'm not going to say that things have always been amazing that I have always had this awesome, passionate walk with the Lord. Um, you know, he's always been there. Sometimes I believe I've treated him more like a roommate than the lover of my soul. You know, he was there, we're doing life together, but I maybe didn't like him so much. <laughs> I'm being honest. You know, there have been times that things have happened and I'm like, you know, God, I am I don't know if I like you so much right now. <laughs> You're in my life, I'm serving you, but I just don't know, I don't, I don't know. So that's, that's where I've come from. And I know some of you have had a more radical transformation. Um, and there've been times when I've actually been envious of that because I'm like, God, I wish I had that testimony of my life was here and now it's here. And, and so for me, when it comes all growing up, this idea of first love has been a little challenging to me because I'm like, this has been my whole life. My whole life has been a life of following Christ. Um, But no matter what your story is, we all contend against the same things. And there's a lot of things that we could list, but I have three in particular that I wanna talk about this morning. And so we're gonna jump right into this. And the first one... The first thing that I believe we contend against that pulls us away from our first love is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness towards God. Unforgiveness towards others. And unforgiveness towards ourselves. The sin that we've allowed in our lives and the shame that comes with it, and we don't forgive ourselves for those things. We allow the hurt of other people, things they've done to us, those offenses to build and grow, and it separates us from God. And sometimes we're mad at God. We're offended by God. It's okay. If you've been there, I have been there. Okay? Sometimes we're offended by God because he didn't do it the way we thought he should. And I'm going to get to that a little more in a minute. But that first thing is unforgiveness. The second thing is busyness. We get so caught up in the day-to-day. We get so caught up in doing the right thing. BJ talked about this a little bit last week. He mentioned uh, Martha and Mary in Luke 10 and how Martha was so busy working and getting all the things just right and just so so that everybody was comfortable and everybody was, felt welcome and all of those things. And she's like... what is Mary doing? I need her help. I need her to help me set the table. I need her to help me with this food. And he was like, she's chosen the better thing. We get so caught up in the busyness of doing the right thing that we miss out on the relationship and on the connection with God. And then just life in general, right? Life is so busy. i It's baffling to me that we have so many things that are supposed to make our life easier, more convenient, and yet life is so busy. I mean, let's talk about grocery pickup, okay? That is like... The best thing that was ever created, because I absolutely loathe going in the grocery store. I can never find anything. It takes forever. I don't understand why the breadsticks are in the aisle with the, like, you know, the cracker-type breadsticks. Why are they in the aisle with the pasta and the pasta sauce? Wouldn't it make sense if they were with bread or with crackers? Bread, sticks, bread. Bread. Cracker-like items, crackers, why are they next to the sauce? I mean, tell me. I'm not saying that I spent 45 minutes one day in a grocery store trying to figure out where those were, but I might have. So I love grocery pickup because it's somebody else's job to figure out where the things are that I'm looking for. One of my, one of my pet, really big pet peeves was at the beginning of the pandemic our Walmart totally rearranged the grocery section so at a time when you're trying not to go anywhere you're trying to get in and get out as fast as possible you can't get a grocery pickup for like 15 days not even kidding and now I'm in a store and I can't find anything all right sorry that was that was a rabbit trail (laughs) would you like to know how I really feel about that um But we have things like that that are meant to make our lives more convenient. But do you know what ends up happening? I spend an entire day trying to make a grocery list. It doesn't, somewhere in there, it doesn't balance out, right? We're so busy and it's, we have to be intentional to carve out time for the Lord. One of my, I don't like to call them resolutions, one of my goals for this year has actually been to journal. I used to journal all the time and then life happened and children happened and and I stopped journaling. And so this year I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to journal. I had this really nice leather journal. It had like these leather ties on it, but I had used it before I moved back um, from Florida and there was a section in there that I didn't wanna be reminded of every time I journaled. And I literally went in and cut it out so that when I journaled, I wouldn't see that part. And, um, but every time I used the journal, I remembered that I cut all those pages out. (laughs) So this year I said, I'm gonna start new. And Pastor Rachel, actually for my birthday, gave me this beautiful journal and I was like, that's what I'm gonna use. This is my, and so no expectations, like, I sit down before bed, I get my Bible app out, I do some reading, and my journaling is, probably looks like somebody that doesn't have it all together has sat down to write because it's somewhere between just venting how I'm feeling and prayers and scriptures and declaring, you know, these things I know. I did one of the first nights that I sat down, I wrote, But these things I know, God is true. He has never left me. He has never, you know, and I went through reminding myself of all of those things. So in the busyness, we need to be intentional to make time. And then disappointment. Prayers that seem to be unanswered. Things not going the way we thought they should. I loved what Rick said last week when he was service leading. He said, we have two expectations that we need to manage. And one of them is the fact that we can and should expect God to do what he's going to do. We should expect him to show up. But we need to, the second um, expectation is how he does it. And we need to realign that. Because we can so easily get disappointed when God doesn't do it the way he, we think He should, and when He doesn't do it when we think He should. And it's something that um, something that God was, has been kind of dealing with me about lately is how we're a small piece of the big picture. And while he knows every hair on our head, it says in Luke 12, 7, that he knows the number of hairs on our head. That's easier for somebody like my husband who has no hair on his head. (laughs) He deserved that in case you were wondering. (laughs) 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 Um, But even as he knows each hair on our head, He also sees us, we're just a little piece, an important piece, but we're a little piece of the big puzzle. He's the author and the finisher, not just of our faith, but of all faith. And so sometimes we walk through things and we don't understand. And I cannot give you an answer, okay? I cannot tell you why... I have a friend, two friends, um, their father passed away in October from COVID. Eight days later, my other friend's mom passed away, also from COVID. Now, my friend's father spent about six weeks in the hospital, and we warred, and we petitioned heaven for his healing. And we saw a couple times him come out of it, you know, come out of sedation when they said it was impossible. We saw him survive being flipped when they said this is medically impossible. He will not survive us turning him for dialysis. But in the end, he passed away. And currently, that same friend's father-in-law is in the hospital with COVID and recovering. And I don't know, I don't have an answer As to why one, they're both men of faith. They're both believers. They're both warriors. Why is one gonna live and the other died? I don't have an answer to that. But all I know is that God sees the big picture and he doesn't waste an ounce of our pain. So if we walk through something It's not just for us, it's not just because of us, it's because of the people around us. Um, You know, sometimes I wonder why we haven't won like a half billion dollar mega millions, you know, so that we could just bless everybody we know, like I have these big plans that if that ever were to happen, um, I'd pave the parking lot, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I know that God has our family where we are right now for a reason. Um, I recently went back to work and I struggled a lot with you know whether the job was the right fit, and there were just some different things that happened, different conversations that I had with coworkers that I was like, you know what, this is where I'm supposed to be. God has a purpose for me being in this place right now. I don't necessarily know what it is. I don't know how it's going to pan out, but I know there's a reason. So those are just a few things that I believe we contend against. And you could probably, I'm sure we all have other things we could think of, um, you know, that we've personally contended against, that we know have separated us from our first love. But that's just a few things. And so the question is, how do we return to our first love? How do we get back there? And scripture actually tells us, verse 5 says, repent and do the things that you did at first. So we need to remember. We need to repent and do the things it actually says. Yes, um, it says consider how far you have fallen, so that it like remember where you were and where you are now. So when we remember, how did you feel when you first surrendered your life to God? How did that feel? Remember all of the forgiveness that he has given to us. We need to remember to take the time, make the time to choose the better thing. And we need to rehearse the good things that he has done for us. It says repent, and the word repent means to turn from your ways. Repentance is not just saying sorry. Okay? I think it was Pastor Johnny that a few weeks ago referenced. I know that reference. um, A song, the words are forgiveness is more than saying sorry. I do not necessarily recommend the entire song or the movie for that matter, but that point in itself um, is very true. Forgiveness is more than saying sorry. Repentance is more than saying sorry. Austin is going to be six years old on Wednesday, and if we call him out like if they're supposed to be upstairs their room is upstairs they're supposed to be cleaning and they're making sounds that definitely are not cleaning I mean if you're a parent you know the sounds of cleaning and the clean sounds of not cleaning um we'll yell upstairs are you guys cleaning and he'll go I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry well I'm sorry sometimes isn't enough What you need to do is change your behavior and do what we've asked you to do, which is clean your room. And that's what repentance is. It's not just saying, God, I'm sorry that I let these things get in the way. Repentance is saying, God, I am sorry, but I choose now to turn and do the things that I did before to come back into that alignment of first love with you. And then the last thing is repeat. Do the first works. Repeat the first works. For the church of Ephesus, that was having strong faith in Jesus and a love for God's people. Paul said in Ephesians 1.16 that he had not stopped thanking God for them and praying for them since he heard about their faith and love. So what were your first works? Can you remember... What fruit grew out of your life when you were closest to God? And do you see that fruit in your life right now? Again, the scripture says, you have persevered and you have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The New Living Translation actually says, you don't love me or others as you did at first. What would the world look like if we contended for our first love? And in that contending and being in that place of first love with the Lord, what would flow out of us? And how would that change everything around us? Jesus said in John 13, 35, that they would know we are his disciples by our love. When you're connected to the Lord, when you're in that place of first love and connection with him, you can't not ooze the love of God to those around you. Because as you're being filled up, it just overflows to everyone around you. John 7:38 says, "Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers." Of living water will flow from them. What stops rivers from becoming stagnant? It's a constant flow of water in and out. So when we're connected, when we're in that place of first love, when we contend against those things that the enemy puts in our way, and we're connected with him, we flow, those rivers of living water flow out of us, and it changes things around us. And again, we're back to, it's not about me. It's about everyone on the banks of the river that God has flowing through me, or you, and you. Amen? So I know that was short, but I actually want to take a minute and pray. Um, So I'd like to invite you all to stand up. And we're just going to take a minute, or two, or three, or whatever it takes. Because I believe God, like I said earlier, has already started something this morning. I actually fought all during worship about whether or not I should come up. I was like this. I don't know. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just come before you this morning. And God, we ask that you would show us, you would reveal to us the things that have separated us from you. God, we want to return to that place of first love. Lord, reveal to us where we may have unforgiveness. Lord, show us, remind us, God, of where we need to make time to be purposeful to seek after you. Lord, we even just forgive You, where we have been offended because you didn't do things the way we thought you should. And we surrender to you once again, Lord. We surrender our lives, we surrender our will, we surrender our plans. Lord, when we can only see that thing that's right in front of us, God, you see the big picture. And so we just give those things to you. I just want you to take a minute and just for yourself, just begin to pray and just ask God to show you Lord, I thank you that you don't waste a single thing that we walk through, Father God. Even though we don't see how you're going to use it for our good, Father God, you do, and we trust you. Even as the song we sang this morning said, I don't have to understand to trust you. So God, we surrender our need to understand and we trust you with our lives. We surrender to you. If you're here this morning and And you don't know what that first love feels like because you've never experienced it. Because you've never surrendered your life to the Lord. You've never given him control. I just want to take this opportunity right now to give you the opportunity to do that. So we're all going to pray together. And if that's you, I just want you to really Cry out to God because he's crying out for you. I just felt so strongly this morning that he is contending for our hearts. And some of us, he's contending even more than others because we've fought it a little bit. But this morning, God is saying, just surrender. I have good plans for you. So let's pray together. Father God, I surrender my life to you. I trust you. I thank you for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. I thank you that his blood washed away all of my sin. This morning, I commit myself to you. I ask that you would have your way in my life. Take control. I give you control. In Jesus' name. Amen.